One, two, three, yeah! Baby! Sassy! Sunway! Check the packs! Hello and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. This episode, we are looking at Johnny Bravo. Okay. Yeah, Johnny Bravo, I remember um, it came along, I think I, when it first appeared, I'd have been about 12 or 13. It was a lot later than most of the ones we talk about. Um, but for whatever reason, I thought this thing was hilarious. Yeah, it uh, definitely did come later on. I was into my mid to late teens i think more like late teens by the time johnny bravo yeah, came along to be honest yeah you've been pushing it i mean in um oh thanks mate yeah <laughs> no i mean just <laughs> looking at the days but i'm not gonna say how old you are um but no i mean push it um by the time it first premiered it was 97 so i mean wow. you'd have been I, yeah, you, 16. you were yeah. pushing 20 at that point well fuck off i was 16 that's not pushing 20 of course it is it's, it's the wrong side of 15 you're pushing 20 that's like, um that's like no, i'm pushing 40 now fuck right off i didn't say that you said that i well i just merely as an example anyway like anyway so, yeah so it, yeah. it first premiered in 1997 so here it would have been probably a little bit later um it's um I see. It was one of these bizarre ones, and reading about it today, I hadn't realised this. That this is the, sort of the true definition of you know, straight out of college success. Um, the yeah, the, the original concept was um, a short film that the creator, a guy called um, uh, Van Pardable. Um, I hope that's not his real name. Um, but he did um, he did uh, a short film for his animation um, degree. And it was pitched to, uh, to Hanna-Barbera, who loved it, and gave him three pilots, uh, three pilot episodes to do. And then from that, he got a, se- a series. I mean, the absolute definition of, of success is you went straight from college to making this this product, which then ran for four years. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's, it's interesting what you say about it being short, because watching Johnny Bravo, it definitely... Like, this is a one-trick pony. There is no... Like oh, okay. this is shallow as a swimming pool. Um, it is it is definitely a one trick pony, and it definitely feels like something that that works as a short. Um, hmm. It shouldn't work as a twenty minute show or fifty minute show, whatever it is. Um, and as I I think it did air later over here. I think you're right. I seem to think I was round about seventeen or eighteen by the time this was hit in, and I was certainly most aware of it in my kind of early 20s um Mm. and it didn't connect with me at all at first um and i think that's probably partly because it is just such a one-trick pony it's very much got the feel of the old school kind of hanna-barbera and looney tunes and and disney shorts uh, which ironically i now love um but it is definitely got that feel to it of it's much more a self-contained in inverted commas here, cartoon than it is a show. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, when when it landed over here, so I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember so being, I say, being mid-teens, possibly late teens. Um, I remember so, so seeing it and going, "What the fucking hell is this?" And then it was something because it was on. It was either on relatively early on a Saturday or a Sunday morning um, on Channel Four, and I'd be watching it. I don't want to say hungover, but yeah, pissed. Um, and it was possibly the funniest, stupidest thing I could find. 
And yeah. that's kind of where it resonated with me because it was it wasn't anything you got to think about. Yeah, I totally get that. And um I think I by the time this came along, I was just in that phase where I was an adult. Um and this was kid stuff. Um even even I've been through that phase, you know, massive animation nerd that I am. Even I was at a point where it's like that's a kid's cartoon. Um yeah. and this this to me felt like a kid's cartoon. How fucking wrong was I? Uh, well, yeah, I, I was going to say there's I mean, it's widely noted as being sort of entirely full of innuendo, and I mean the whole the whole premise is Johnny trying to get a girl. Yeah, I mean innuendo is even a stretch. Well, a this stretch, yeah. this thing is filthy, um, and like rewatching it now, I've found it absolutely hilarious. I think. Like, uh, let's not bury the lead. I think I've probably enjoyed rewatching this more than anything else we've rewatched, and that's partly because I don't have the fond memories of it. Um, so yeah, I am surprised. Probably um, you know, going back to things like um, probably the nearest thing that we've talked about that I can compare it to, even though it's tonally different, it is Ren and Stimpy. And going back yeah. to that was, as I said on the show at the time. I wasn't really revisiting that show because I've always watched it and I've always loved it. So it was like a kind of comfy, warm blanket going back and watching Ren and Stimpy. This was mm. a complete and utter surprise. Um, when you told me this was next up on the list, I was just like, oh, yeah, OK, I remember saying we'd do this one, but not that excited about it, whatever. Um, and it, it's bowled me over. It has come completely out of the blue because this is not the show that I remember. I, I obviously remember Johnny Bravo as a character, but I just remember the aspects of him being a buffoon more than anything. I remember the plat- the pratfalls and things like that, which, you know, as a younger man, when I was watching it, it had no appeal to me whatsoever. I was just like, this literally is just like watching Wile E. Coyote drop off a cliff or something. There was this humor of that level in here. Um, yeah. But then there's also humor at a whole nother level, which is it's. I can't fucking believe that this and and over here, as you said, it was on like Saturday, Sunday morning. This was a kids' show over here and was marketed as such. I think it was most places. It was on Cartoon Network, if I remember rightly. Um, it was for one. I think it was. I was on Cartoon Network the whole way through. Um, and, and I think the the final season they actually produced as well. It was one of their in house um, uh, shows. Um, but before that, it was all Hannah Barbera. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I, I came to this one and like we, when we talked about last week what we were doing this week, I wasn't I wasn't sort of jumping for joining. Oh yeah, it's Johnny Bravo. I really want to do this. He's like, okay, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be quite interesting because I haven't seen it for years. But I remember, and I, I remember um, people at the time who I knew who were obsessed with going to the gym and had tiny little legs and massive shoulders, uh, and were always flexing and popping. And that that kind of sums up the character for me. That was some, it's this whole thing of being completely vacuous, completely stupid. Of having this sort of singular focus where everything's about um, everything's about getting a girl and um, being being as, as muscly and as appealing as you can be, and just being completely out of proportion. And I remember sort of seeing these seeing these characters over the years, and I've seen people like that in real life over the years, and going, "Yeah, that's pretty much Johnny Bravo." Um, so when we well, when we talked about this, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, fair enough. We'll we'll have a look at this, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be entertaining." And I was really surprised as well at how fucking filthy this show is. Yeah. Um, and just more over than that, not just is it like not afraid to get down and dirty. Like it's genuinely fucking hilarious. 
Um, I mean, you look at the writing team as well that was involved with this, like Seth MacFarlane started yeah. here. Um, that's yeah. That probably tells you everything you need to know. But yeah, as you said, even looking back on it now, and I probably didn't appreciate this at the time, but. I mean, Johnny obviously is a caricature, but yes, he exists and still exists in everyday life. Um, perhaps he's almost even more so relevant now than he would have been in the early 2000s with with the kind of super sensitive attitude that we have at the moment towards feminism with the Me Too movement yes. and things like that. A character like Johnny Bravo is such a fish out of water now that it, yeah. it almost gives it a whole nother level. I mean, it was always done from a point of parody anyway, so, you know, in, in no way is this offensive, um, or at least I no. I don't think that it I is. I don't think it's I, intent. I, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. There are people who will fight and take offence at everything at some point or other. There, there will be something that pisses somebody off about every single show that's ever been made or every single record that's been made, every song that's been made. Somebody will find fault with it somewhere or somebody will find meaning where... Perhaps there is, perhaps there isn't. I mean, I watched, um, I very uh, foolishly downloaded a couple of episodes um, and was watching them on the train this morning. And I was absolutely weak laughing at this one particular episode where um, Susie makes a boatload of money from selling lemonade um, and Johnny decides he needs to make cash to buy his mother a pair of slippers. So he sells kisses um, and he basically grabs women off the street kisses them and then tries to charge them for the privilege, at which point he gets maced, he gets slapped, he gets hit with uh, hits with a handbag uh, and all this sort of stuff. And, yeah, you, know, you if you were to try and put that out now, you'd have the PC police jumping all over you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's almost Benny Hill-esque in that it is... Yeah. Yes, there is definitely a way you can take offence to it, but, yes, he is also being treated as an absolute buffoon um and he always does get a wallop in the face from a handbag or something like that you know he it isn't just brushed under the carpet it is intrinsic to his character that he cannot get away with this stuff um yeah but, but i mean i think you're right it, it, it's it, it is a complete parody anyway so i mean people taking offense are, are, are missing the point the point is it's it's taking the piss out of the people who actually act like that and actually behave like that and actually believe that you know, the sort of that 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 ethos that he has so to get offended by it is largely pointless because you're missing you know you're missing the whole point which is the writers are actually saying the same thing you are yes yeah exactly um so yeah but that that unfortunately is is the show you know when i say it's a one-trick pony it is literally that it is johnny trying to get his rocks off every episode yeah, um, yeah. and and there are variations on a theme christ there's four seasons worth of variations on that theme but it yeah. is it is essentially Johnny just trying to chat up women. Um, yeah, that's enough for me to be honest. It's it's <laughs> yeah. done so I mean, you, well. You look at it. Yeah, I mean you look at it as well. I mean the way it's handled. Um, I mean I, I don't know where you've picked up it's from. I've been watching snippets on YouTube. There are some full episodes and there's some some compilations of you know, Johnny gets hit in the face, Johnny falls over, Johnny and celeb celebrity cameos. But the number, you know, the number of people they got involved in this show. I mean, the the list of writers is bigger than the list the list of directors and producers put together. Um, you know, they had they had a team of thirty odd writers, most of whom you, you know you'll recognise from uh, from other shows like Butch Hartman, um, who I think did Fairly Odd Parents. Um, uh, um, Seth MacFarlane, as we mentioned, um, you know, there's so many um, 
so many writers went on to do massive things for Nickelodeon and uh, not Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network and elsewhere that you know, it's, it, this must have been a pretty good launch pad. But then you look at some, some of the cameos they got in, so, so many people must have believed in this product. I mean, you had people like Mr. T, who, I mean, Seth MacFarlane rips on Mr. T constantly throughout his career. Um, people who would have been you know, relatively you know, known faces, you know, people like the Osmonds, um, who are you know, not necessarily uh, relevant now, but I mean, for, you know, for, for, for a 90s audience who would have been seeing, or would have been looking at this, going, okay, I know who that is. Um, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, Adam West, Seth Green, all these sort of people keep popping up. People go, oh, fucking hell, they're doing stuff like that. And it, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, I mean, it's for as silly as it was, as it appeared, it really did have some legs. And you know, people really did back this project. And so for me, it's, it's, I don't understand how I, I didn't get more into it at the time, apart from all I could possibly say is it was sort of the same sort of time that, you know, getting into, going out drinking and stuff like that was that was more important than watching tv stupidly um and this kind of i was aware of it but it wasn't anything i really paid that much attention to yeah i mean you know the more we talk about this the more i realize how fucking weird i am um like i (laughs) i i I totally agree with all of that like i don't understand how i wasn't more into this show at the time this ticks all the boxes for me um you know it it is hilarious the whole sort of dig at the male psyche that it takes as well is something that that both you and i do ourselves in our writing as well not necessarily to parody of this level but it is something it's a theme that constantly crops up for us um you know and and we constantly talk about you know when we talk about our favorite films there's things like swingers in there and what have you so this 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 is right up our street so Mm. But you're also right in saying, I was probably thinking, oh, yeah, you know, that's a cartoon. I'm not watching TV. It's for kids. I'm going to go out and get pissed and stuff. Now, whilst I'm saying that about Johnny Bravo, I'm also sat at home watching fucking Pokemon at this age. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me, dude. But, yeah, I should. I really should have been more into this. Yeah, well, Pokemon's coming. Just sit tight, folks. Pokemon's <laughs> coming. I promise. So we'll yeah, get in. Yeah, we'll get um, into that when the time is right. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just it's one of those. I I don't understand. I mean, and we've had this conversation with other shows as well, where one of us has been more into it than the other. That it's the sort of thing that I would look at and go, "Yeah, Chris would be into that because I'm into that." I don't. I get that. But if I'd said to you two years ago before we started doing this show to go and watch Johnny Bravo, you'd probably tell me to fuck off. Yeah, most likely. Um, I would. My answer would have been that I had no interest in it at the time, so why the fuck am I going to go and watch it now? And you would have had to have worked pretty hard to change my mind, I think. Yeah. Um, having said that, I genuinely, like, on rewatching this, I'm like, yeah, the first place I stopped was YouTube, as I always do. There are a number of clips available. Um, there's not really any full episodes. Um, it is on there as a premium channel if you want to pay for it. Uh, but if you are going to do that, you can find it cheaper elsewhere, word of the wise. Um, particularly on Amazon. Uh, it's about seven ninety nine a season, if you're not bothered about HD. Um, so anyway, I think literally all you've had to do is pull up some clips because as soon as I sat down and pulled up the first clip, I was hooked. Like I spent yeah. the next hour and a half just watching clips before I started tracking down episodes. I mean, yeah, I would not have taken much convincing. I was absolutely howling with laughter from like moment one with this. Yeah. 
and as I, said, I, I had the same thing. I mean, I, having remembered it, and I was being quite funny watching it on the train this morning. Fuck knows what people thought was going on. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, <laughs> it's interesting when we talked about sort of the origins of it. Um, but it's 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 one of those that actually, even the way the character is described by the creator. He's um, he's a he's a narcissistic, muscular, dim-witted, and self-proclaimed womanizer with a pompadour and an Elvis-like voice, um, and is apparently Italian. You know, so, I mean, even the creator's not taking him that seriously. Um, but and I'm say his every episode it revolves around him trying to get a woman and usually getting smacked in the face for his for his trouble. So I mean, they've they, they've even gone into it going, yeah, nobody's going to take the show seriously. And um, Butch uh, Hartman um, commented that. The, being concerned with the content of the episodes wasn't the main focus because um, nobody was watching Cartoon Network, and as far as content went, they were pretty lenient as long as people watched. So, I mean, they they kind of went into it thinking, well, this is the cartoon we're going to make. And then I think they just, the same as we talked about with Lex of Ren and Stimpy, the more they got into it, the more they tried to push barriers and push boundaries and see what they could get away with. And I think whereas um, on um, Nickelodeon with uh, Ren and Stimpy, they kind of had to gear it back. They, they ended up changing um, changing key people. With this one, they kind of just went, you know what, just fucking get on with it. Yeah, and I think part of that as well was it was able to slip so much under the radar because it was on Cartoon Network and because it looks so much like a traditional... I, I get almost Hanna-Barbera, which I know they were involved with, with some of the early mm. episodes as well. It does look like what you would consider a modern iteration of a Hanna-Barbera cartoon to look like. Ren and Stimpy looked fucking anarchic from day one ren and stimpy was yes. punk rock so they were being watched this can quite easily slip under the radar like for a parent walking through a room if they're not really listening to the dialogue and what's going on it's just another cartoon it's got all the wacky sound effects it's got the bright colors it's you know yeah it's the animation is okay it's not great it's all right. It, 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 it looks like standard Hanna Barbera, so you wouldn't really question it. I mean, it looks like the old some fifties Flintstones and stuff like that. No, it, it, yeah. 50s, 60s, it doesn't look out of place. So, see, it probably can fly um, quite under the radar. But then you, you look at some of the some of the lines in it. And I've got two in front of me, which um, I made a note of earlier because they made they literally. I had to pause what I was doing. Uh, I paused watching it and just catch my breath. It was so funny. Um, in one, um, Susie calls to ask if he wants to come over, and he, his reply is, call back, call back in 15 years when you're a co-ed. Yeah. Uh, and then another one, he's hit by a tranquilizer dart, and he's informed he's got 30 seconds of consciousness left, so use it wisely. So he pulls out, pulls out a girly mag. You can't get away with stuff like that. Um, no. I mean, so this, is, this is the late 90s. You're not getting away with shit like that. You get away with it now on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, my, my favorite gag out of the ones I've watched, um, incidentally, and I'm sure we'll get onto this, there were a number of crossover episodes Yes. One of which was a Scooby-Doo crossover. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, during the Scooby-Doo crossover, Johnny t- goes to great lengths to hit on Daphne. Um, as he would. As, as anybody would. And there is a whole thing going on there where they make it clear that Daphne's in a relationship with Fred, but they're trying to hide it from the rest of the group. And at one point, they're going to split up and go searching this spooky old mansion, and Daphne's jumped into his arms at this point because she's scared. And they decide that, you know... Johnny and Daphne and I think it might be Velma were going to go and search upstairs and then Fred and Shag and Scoob were going to search the basement and Daphne is looking at him with doe eyes saying no Fred we need to search the basement and winking at him (laughs) and it just had me in stitches like 
that is the yeah. stuff that you know is there in scooby-doo but they can't get away with and these guys are just like yeah. you know what fuck it let's just go yeah, for why it not? I and like even now when we were talking 20 years later you still wouldn't get that in scooby-doo i mean scooby-doo is still doing no. massive crossovers for things um, but you know, there's never any sort of illusion. I mean, I think they did in the films, and I think they, I th- in the early 2000s with um, Terry Michelle Gallagher and Freddie Prince Jr. Um, I think they they made it in there that they were in a relationship, but that's the only time, as far as I'm aware, that's actually been a thing in Scooby Doo. Yeah, and and certainly they would not have insinuated the fact that they need to sneak off to the basement together for a quickie while everybody else is trying to solve a mystery. That just yeah. would not. Like, why, why do you think Scooby Doo got so much airtime? Yeah. Now, who actually cares about the dog? Well, yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, I've I've not seen any other crossovers. There was only that one that I watched, but I'm keen to see what else they get away with. I know the Flintstones have appeared at some point. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the rest of them were crossovers as such. I think people just appeared in episodes. So Fred Flintstone, Yogi Bear, Blue Falcon, Black Widow, um, being from um, not the Marvel one, the Space Ghost one. Um, and Huckleberry Hound, like they all popped up um, in episodes, but I don't know whether they, no, I don't think they had some actual crossover episodes or whether they were just like, oh, okay, I'll pop up, make a gag and fuck off again. So I'm not entirely sure about that one. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've got a wealth of seasons of Johnny Bravo to explore now, so I'm sure I will. Well, yeah, I suppose. I, I, say, I mean, I, I remember... I mean, it, it was done as segments as well. There were 67 episodes or 65 episodes and a couple of pilots um, and then split into segments. So there's a couple of episodes per show, effectively. Um, and there were 178 separate segments, some being longer than others. Um, so, I mean, you've got 178 stories to explore, basically, most of which revolve around him trying to get laid. Yeah, I mean, using the term story is... Um, that's a stretch. <laughs> Um, I've got more like about what fifty odd hours of yeah, you've got misog- three stories and across the fifty hours, yeah, yeah. I've got about fifty odd hours of misogynistic jokes to watch, so yeah, I'm I'm up for that. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a break from the norm, isn't it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, in terms of the show itself, then, I mean, also we talked about the premise. It's a guy trying to get laid and failing miserably um lots of nods to elvis um which i hadn't realized until um i mean obviously the, some of the movements and some of the noises he makes like when he's more when he's posing and tw- um, turning the and stuff voice. you kind of get it. just the voice if nothing else yeah. <laughs> the voice in um, the hair i I'd, I'd kind of forgotten the voice I, I knew it was a sort of elvisy voice but i couldn't remember it no it specifically but uh, and i having the, sort of the, the big no the big uh, the big hair and sort of the, that sort of, sort of noises when he moves there was always a sort of and I, a sort of iteration of Elvis in there, but I hadn't realized how sort of conscious that was. Like I knew it was conscious in the character design, but like, the, the the it's set in Aaron City after his middle name and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there are lots more nods to it, and just it, it's it's more than a passing reference. It's more, you know, it's effectively where um, the creators went. You know what? This is something that I want to build into the character and build into the show because you know, I mean. Whether you particularly like Elvis or not, I don't know. I assume he does from from the sort of the, the, the references and the way it's set up. But I mean, that was something that I hadn't really twigged or I hadn't really remembered until watching it back. And as soon as you see it, oh fucking hell, it's f- absolutely front and centre. Uh, it's, it's, it's integral to the character. Like he he basically is an Elvis impersonator. 
Like it's... Well, that was the original premise. Uh, for the, the short he did, it was called um, Metal Blues or something like that. Um, and it was a guy who was a down Metal Blues, um, and he was um, a down like Elvis impersonator. And that was the original short that was done, um, that they pitched to Panababera. That Yeah, you can totally see that. Yeah. Um, and then the stuff at the language where, like, you no know, call, calling um, you know, women a mama, a little mama, and stuff like that. It's just, you, know, you can stuff, you can hear, you know, if, if you were watching old clips of Elvis, you'd pick up some of those, the intonation and stuff, and stuff, the way things are said as well. And it's it's all there. And I, I, I completely hadn't realized. I mean, obviously, I mean, knowing um, sort of your upbringing, you, like, your, how big Elvis fans your parents were, this is something that would have come to you a lot quicker than me. Oh, yeah. Um... My parents not interested at all they were not a lot more uh, interested in british stuff um so they weren't not stuff like Elvis completely, completely passed me by till i was at like 12 13 at which point i said oh, okay fine now i know what it is it's fine I'm, I'll, I'll carry on with what I'm, what I'm listening to um so yeah i mean i wouldn't have picked up half of this stuff which let's say obviously you would have um but yeah i mean the the largely the premise is you've got one dim-witted idiot um trying to hit on women a little girl who's probably his only friend Susie yeah yeah and then his mother which kind of says a lot you know, there's, a, there's, there's a few uh, the, the, the easy joke is obviously you know, he's still you know he's, he's a grown man he still lives at home and all the rest of it but no so there are, if you want to look thematically at that you know, there are issues now. You, you could read issues into that as you can into most things that are written um, and then beyond that you know there are a couple of some minor characters who pop up now and again um, the the um, the guy who owns the diner who gives him dodgy advice. Um, the, there's a, a character's name, but he's, um, he's there's a sort of really nerdy character who aspires to be like Johnny. So he's, he's pulling, he pulls the same flex as he mimics him and things like that. But he looks looks and sounds ridiculous doing it because he you know, he looks and sounds nothing like Johnny Bravo. So, I mean, beyond, you didn't really have a massive cast. And then so they, they had all these massive cameos in it. Yeah. Um, I... I don't really know how this became as big i i didn't think it was a big thing but to get these cameos like obviously this was making some noise i mean i, I, remember... American, I mean if you if you would say right i'm making a cartoon for no i i'm making a series of short cartoons for i don't know fred Blog's animation nobody's gonna give a fuck if you say to i don't know the likes of adam west no at the time he wasn't done he wasn't done a great deal for quite some time I'm making a cartoon for Hanna Barbera. Do you want to? Do you want to come in as a guest every now and again? Bingo. No, it's it's that name carries a lot of weight. And then from from having Adam West or from having Shaquille O'Neal, you're going to get other people. You're going to attract other guest stars, and it kind of grows that way. But having that Hanna Barbera name on in the first place would have been a big selling point for actors. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you just it's surprising to me that because you had sort of. Well, not A-list actors involved, but top-line talent involved. Then uh, that it never really became any bigger than it did. It was it was big enough. Um, I remember mm. certainly remember like Johnny Bravo popping up in video games and stuff like that. And I remember I yeah. mean, there's still Johnny Bravo merchandise. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was one of those. So it shouldn't have it shouldn't have been what it was, what it became. And then I think it was about 2001, 2002. Um, there was talk of a, a live-action version with um, with The Rock. And that kind of stalled, and that's probably good for his career that it didn't go anywhere, to be honest. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I mean, it was, it was mooted, and I remember this from the time I remember having this conversation with my dad of all people. 
because I remember being amazed that A, you knew what the fuck Johnny Bravo was, and B, who The Rock was, because now my dad lives, certainly at the time, lived under a rock. Um, no pun intended. No, no um, you beat me to it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, my, my dad was, no, he, he wasn't a product of the 90s, let's put it that way. He, no, he wasn't aware of a great deal of stuff going on in terms of popular culture at the time. If you asked him now that he's in his 60s, he'd have more of a clue than he would have then. Um, but yeah, we were, I remember having a conversation with him randomly about this um, proposed film with The Rock in it playing Johnny Bravo. And I'm like, what the fuck are you on about? What do you know about that? Um, but that's how that's how big this thing got. And then all of a sudden that just died a death. And then the show kind of just sort of receded and receded and receded. And then come 2004, it disappeared altogether. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a good thing. This certainly... I don't think there's enough legs here for a film. As I say, this is a one-trick pony at best. I don't know how you stretch that out to even 60 minutes, let alone 80. Um, I mean, no, no, you have to kind of no... redefine the parameters. I mean, the, the character's the character, but you'd kind of have to send him on a quest or something, wouldn't you? And use okay. some of your beat sheets and say, right, now by the time you get to page 60, you've done, or page 20, you've done this, by the time you get to page 60, you've done, you're at this point. Because you couldn't, you couldn't use it as it is. No, and, and if johnny grows as a character in any meaningful way then he ceases to become johnny so yeah that's, that's right he ceases, he ceases to be johnny bravo and then becomes like an actual person yeah exactly <laughs> i mean having said that you know there's no question the rock is absolute or was absolute perfect casting for it he's now too old if this was to happen today oh, absolutely. He's, too, he's too old and he's too big yeah um and it's proportionate with the legs as well which you know unfortunate um but yeah i mean the, the character i mean especially the character he was playing in wwe at the time um, where he would so he was just about to break out he, i think he'd done um mummy 2 um and i think he was so sort of just before he really had his, his big jump out he was still an act on the active roster but he was he was very much doing that you know the crowd loved me so i'll do the eye i'll do the eye I'll, I'll, I'll do the really smutty comments that everybody knows what i'm talking about but nobody will mention it he was no, this was the rock in cartoon form and then I said that he kind of went the way he went and he went absolutely stratospheric and this would have probably killed his film career before he even started. I mean, you're probably, you know, you're possibly talking Martin no, or Super Mario Brothers level of poor film. I know, I know you, you had particular issues with, uh, with me saying that. So I, I vaguely remember you saying you enjoyed the film, but it's, it's that sort of film where it would have been absolutely panned and I don't think he'd have recovered from it. The Super Mario Brothers film is a fucking travesty. And I love it. It is awful, but I fucking yeah. love it. So yeah, I, mean, I remember seeing. I mean, at the time that came out, I would have been ten, possibly eleven, and I remember thinking then it was fucking woeful. Um, so I mean, I've I've, I've only sort of, I've, I've caught snippets of it when it when it's been on TV again, maybe fifteen years ago, and again thought it was shit and didn't bother to. So I've not, it's not really one I uh, one I can defend. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, I mean that this. Had, had they made that film and with the casting they were talking about, I think it would have possibly ruined the franchise and, and ruined Rock's career. So he set it back a long ways. Uh, yeah, most likely. Uh, I mean, you never know. Maybe they could have pulled it off. I I don't see it, though. If anything, you could have maybe got away with a live-action sitcom or something. But then what's the point when you're already an animated show? Plus, That's kind of, I mean, if you want to do this character filmically, like, he exists. It's Ash Williams like yeah he, he literally is you know you talk about the rock being perfect casting but we already have bruce campbell playing this character <laughs> yeah that's very true um yeah as i say yeah to me it didn't the, the whole idea didn't really lend itself to anything 
Um, I don't know. It was something I didn't really see the point of. But luckily, it didn't go anywhere. I mean, at the time, I'd have probably got, I'd have probably paid to go and see it and then go, what the fuck was that all about? Um, so I'm, I'm I'm glad in that respect that it didn't it didn't happen. But you never know. We could be looking back at it twenty years later and going, that was actually genius. That was a travesty, and I love it. Who knows? See, I mean, I talked about the um, the origins of it earlier on. I mean, the development is um, is quite interesting as well. I mean, um, some notes some notes on it um, on the wiki page. So the guy who's still, he's still at college, who's at uh, Loyola Marymount University, um, his senior his senior project was Meso Blues, which is the animated short film by an Elvis impersonator. Um, the animation professor showed it to a friend who worked for Hannibal Bear in the studio, loved it, and then basically chased the guy to go make um, to go make a pilot. Um, he changed the character, um, making him sort of a. The idea was he was a cross between James Dean and Elvis. I mean, he, the, the the big quiff and the big hair, and then sort of the voice like Elvis. Um, and then they sort of took it from there. One thing I didn't realize is that we actually had a different voice for Johnny over here. Yeah, now I read that as well, and I didn't realize it. Um, I have kind of played a little bit of both of them. And it's it really is quite different. Um, he's still doing the Elvis impersonation, but the voice itself is, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It, like the pitch is totally different. I don't know why that happened, and I wonder whether no. I wonder whether that would have been because, I mean, at the time we didn't really have too many universal standards, and obviously we are over here. Pal, for those of you that don't know, runs at a different frame rate to NTSC. And I wonder whether something weird was going on with the voice due to the PAL speed up. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just cl- I'm clutching at straws. Um, yeah, I, mean, I can't, I can't work I... it out. I mean, I've, the ones I've watched, they've kind of, I mean, because I've not been watching full episodes, I've been watching clips. Because the, the clips seem to be grouped together in ways that they're compatible so that the the, if the voice is the same all the way through, and I don't know why that is, I don't know if somebody's been particularly sad with that or whether it's just a coincidence, but I didn't pick that up. And it's only in sort of going from selection to selection, you actually, hang on, is that the same? But that's not quite the same. And then reading it here, I was like, hang on, it's a completely different voice. And I don't, there's no explanation to it. There's no sort of rhyme or reason to it that I can tell. It's just in the UK and only in the UK. Now, bear in mind, we're not the only ones who use PAL. So, I mean, it, it may not be that, but. It's it's a UK exclusive that we've got this other guy. Um, everyone else had Jeff Bennett, and we had Mark Silk, and I have no idea why that is. That's beyond me. I've got to be honest. Yeah, just doesn't doesn't make any kind of sense. Um, but yeah, uh, there you go. I I don't remember the original enough to have noticed the difference in voice. Um, and I think when you think back to Johnny Bravo as a character, you don't so much think of the voice as you think of Elvis's voice, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's it, and that, that's the problem so, I've had, because I can't, I mean, I was remembering, um, it, I think it's a sort of staple of every bad Elvis impersonator, where there's, oh, thank you very much. I, I was sort of picking that sort of, that quite deep, quite, you know, quite, I don't know, quite sort of boring voice. Mm, uh, yeah. Quite sort of monotonous. And I, I, I had that in my head, and then when I sort of started watching, I was like, Hang on a minute, he's a bit squeaky. Yeah, he is, and, and that's why I wonder whether it was to do with the speed up, whether it was that that voice became kind of squeakier still when you run it at the extra, you know, or at the lesser frame per second. I, I wonder if that's what it was. I don't know. I mean, the other thing there is like, whilst we are not the only country to use PAL, I mean, those other countries, 
won't necessarily have an English language version. So they yeah, might be they might be dubbed anyway. Not that there's too much to dub in ha and all of that, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, it, it just struck me as strange. Like I mean, the, normally when you get stuff when you get stuff written online, and everybody loves a good, good conspiracy theory and everybody loves a good saga. Normally, when you get stuff like this, there's a million reasons for it, and I can find precisely fuck all in terms of justification for it. Maybe somebody needed to get paid. I don't know. Maybe who knows. Um, so yeah, um, post college, once it'd been pitched down of a bearer, um, they made a seven-minute short um, entitled "Johnny Bravo," which uh, aired on Cartoon Network's animation showcase premiere tunes in 1995. And then there were two more shorts: "Jungle Boy" in Mr. Monkey Man and "Johnny Bravo" in the Amazing, uh, sorry, in the oh, Amazon Woman. Whoa, 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 whoa! Back that shit up. It was called what? "Jungle Boy" Jungle in, Boy Monkey in Man. Mr. Monkey Man. In Mr. Okay, so that's better. I thought you said Jungle Boy and the Monkey Man. I was just gonna... no, no. I was just so, going to uh... say I take back everything I say about it not being offensive. I... But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Um, and then the second one, Johnny Bravo and the Amazon Women. Um, so yeah, I mean they 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 got out the gate and then um, on based on the popularity of those, and they they were sort of treated as live pilots effectively. And on the back of those, they were commissioned for another thirteen episodes. Um, at which point they then stole a load of talent from World Premier 2 on tunes, including Seth MacFarlane, Butch Hartman, uh, John McIntyre, and Steve Marmel. So, I mean, they they very much knew what they were doing. And once they got their sort of their third their their run, it was like, right, okay, all, all hands to the pumps. We need to make a bigger show. Um, and then um, Joe uh, Joe Barbero got involved as well as a consultant and a, and a mentor, which is why it's so so aesthetically similar. Um, it was a sort of, it was a, a conscious decision to to make it look like an old Anna Barbera cartoon. Um, so I mean, whether it was a, originally whether the sort of the pilots were, were were stylistically borrowing, I don't know. But I mean, it was a conscious decision by Anna Barbera to make it look like one of their cartoons later on. And so I mean, that, that that is definitely there. Um, yeah, it's that kind of thick black chunky outline you used to get with Hanna Barbera, and the slightly. Uh, slightly stiff almost movement in the animation and that it, it's not quite as fluid as you used to get with Warner and Disney. It's definitely, yeah. you you can definitely see the similarity to things like Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones more than you can to sort of Bugs or Mickey. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the Hanna-Barbera inference is there and I think it always reminded me of, um, is it, I think it's Huckleberry Hound where the, the external lines were very dark and very thick, as you said, very chunky, but then the, inter- the internal lines, the, sort of the detail on the drawing was very fine. And if you look at Johnny Bravo, his mouth, the eyebrow, are the thinnest, finest lines that you find anywhere in the show. And then everything else is very black and very deep and very dark. And it's quite an interesting contrast. And I think it's one of those, again, you don't sort of expect to see sort of such nuance and such homage in, in a show like this. Yeah, I mean, in general, the it is a traditionally cartoonish look like that in that the, the features are scant but exaggerated if that makes sense so like yeah his eyebrows are thin but then mm. his the movements from his mouth and things like that are huge even though his mouth is yeah. quite small you know there's, there's a great degree of exaggerated movement there likewise with his eyebrow i mean we've already talked about the rock but yeah those are thin eyebrows but they he's constantly doing things like the people's eyebrow and things like that so yeah you know it's got the range of movement there and yeah it, it definitely is that it, it looks and feels like a hanna-barbera cartoon for sure. Yeah, 
I mean, I hadn't. I knew it was it was um, produced by Anna Barbera originally. I hadn't realized I hadn't realized Joe Barbera was involved, which kind of explains a lot, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, surprisingly, after the first season, given how well it did, how well it was received, um, it was put on hiatus. Um, they weren't expecting a second season, and it was picked up again in '99. Um, the um, the creator left. Um, Kirk Tingblad, or fucking name that is. Um, took over as director and leading to a major retooling of the visual style, tone, and humor, um, and retained that form for the third series. So, they, I mean, they, they even dialed back what they were doing, and then, uh, um, and then brought um, brought Van Particle back to do the final season. So, I mean, even even though it was deemed a success and it was something they wanted to make, and don't forget, they pursued this guy out of college. Now, they 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 brought him through, and then they kind of fucked him off for a while. And then brought him back to finish it off, which I you know. I mean, I know it seems it's fairly common with American shows, especially cartoons, as we found. But it just seems that they went to an awful lot of trouble to get the guy, and then as soon as they had him, they didn't want to use him. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, I don't. I mean, who knows what went on behind the scenes? Um, we've talked in great depth. Um, well, actually, we haven't because we did try and avoid the issue wherever we could. But we we have talked about the kind of shit that went on with Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, uh, and and John Kay, and that I am not insinuating that anything of that nature happened here, um, but you just never know. You you don't know what went on, particularly with it being animation as well. Like these people are not superstars where their lives are written about in celebrity magazines all the time. No, you know, I mean that's. I mean we are twenty years later at this point, and you look at the likes of Brandon Stampy and shows that there's so much written about because there no, things were so were, were so controversial, and so exaggerate you you think that anything that had gone on would be documented somewhere yeah you'd think but so. it all seems it all seems very amicable i mean it, it may literally have been that the network needed it toning down and he did not want to compromise on his vision um in which case Maybe. And then by the time you go back to the last series in in um in 2004 they'd gone back to that original sort of humor the only thing they didn't do was bring back the jungle boy character um but I mean, apart from that, let's say it was back to being filth. Uh, it was it was smutty. It was it was slapstick. Um, no, I say pratfalls and things like that. And no, dialed up to fifty three. No, not eleven. Um, so I mean, they, whether or not there was a big U turn, or maybe it's just because it went it was it went to a different production company. I don't know. But all of a sudden, they decided no, that was the that was the way to do it. Yeah, it, it is bizarre. Um, I. Obviously, I've been watching things in a slightly higgledy-piggledy order as well because, uh, as I say, a lot of what exists is essentially clips uh, collated together. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I've noticed a massive change in animation style nor humour. I didn't um, notice a change in the style. I thought, I mean, again, looking at clips, there is there are some, because there's some clips put together as compilations, you wouldn't really notice because the, the, the compilation is going to be of the same sort of thing. So you're never really going to notice anyway what happened and what came of it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a difficult one. I mean, animation-wise, I didn't notice any different. So yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those shows. I mean, as as you said, we didn't really expect. I wouldn't have expected at the time it to go anywhere. But I mean, it has had this a massive lasting implement uh, influence. Um, and um, Butch Hartman um, wrote, said in an interview that um, when the show first came out, a lot of people didn't have high expectations for it. It was sort of it was expected to tank after his first year, and it was the, the, the production team were really proud of the fact that it was taken on. That they they got a chance to 
to sort of de develop the character a little bit. Um, and not only did they get to do that, but sort of it's an iconic character. So 20 years later, people are still talking about it. Sad fuckers like us, granted, but people are still talking about it. And I think that's kind of, uh, that speaks to where it really came from. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of say that, but Johnny Bravo is not a character that I think about in my daily life you know it's not a tip of the tongue character but he is still prevalent like he is he is out there and i think the people that were of the right age at this time and certainly the generation after us that sort of came up with cartoon network well i think we were slightly just too old for cartoon network but the generation just after us this is still very much a thing i think johnny bravo is still out there and fondly remembered and it's the kind of thing that you still see johnny bravo's image crop up on bumper stickers and knockoff t-shirts and you mm. know things like that um yeah yeah he's I mean, definitely it's, still there yeah and i mean in, in terms of that i mean obviously we talk about sort of no merchandise and stuff like that with most of these shows that there's not a great deal of official merchandise there's no this there's comics there's video games there's home releases um there's a uh, something called the JBVO All Request Cartoon Show, um, which aired on uh, Sundays on Cartoon Network in 2000-2001, where basically people could email or go through the website and request particular things, and then Johnny Bravo would introduce them, which I'm assuming was just the voice rather than it actually animated, um, or animated in such a way that it's you know, bad, like badly done kung fu movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, this the character spun off everywhere for a, for a time. Right? It, it burned very bright for a very short period of time, and then I say it's still recognizable and still very, very um, prominent now, but for different reasons. Um, but I mean, it didn't, I mean, we've talked about some of the other shows that we watch where there are games and cutlery sets and fucking gloves. And you know, if you can think of it and stick somebody's face on it, it'll, you know, that show will be represented. But this one, I said, there was the, the Dual Request cartoon show. There was um, a comic book which came in 2013 from IDW. Um, a video game on the PS2 and the Nintendo DS in 2009. And the, the film that was talked about, I mean, they didn't really go anywhere with it. And I don't know, I mean, to me, it's massive of a missed opportunity. Totally. Um, someone in marketing at Cartoon Network or wherever it was that had the license was firing for not bringing out a range of men's grooming products based around Johnny Bravo. Oh, like, fuck yes. How do you not bring out Johnny Bravo aftershave and Johnny Bravo hairspray? Yeah, how how it's do you miss that? Yeah, how do you miss that opportunity? Like, yes, that, that's criminal. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's that's Johnny Bravo in a nutshell. I mean, for me, I've I I remember enjoying it at the time. Well, I can't fucking remember why, and I've enjoyed watching it this time out. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic, and that's it. I've I've got a newfound appreciation for it. Um, which I didn't think was possible. Um, and yeah, if, if you can find full episodes, go to it. And if not, and if, if, if not, say, go and pick up whatever clips and snippets you can find. It's no, just be wary if you're watching them in public places, you will laugh a lot. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Um, as I said at the top of the show, this one was really a bit of a find for me. Um, I was aware of it. Uh, when it first came out, was not a fan. I wouldn't say I disliked it, it just didn't do anything for me, so I didn't really watch it. I wasn't expecting anything from it this time. And previously, when we've come into cartoons like that, that I've maybe not so fondly remembered, um, they've always kind of pleasantly surprised me, which is nice, and I've followed some of them through to, to the conclusion of the shows by doing that. Um, but none of them, I think, have caught me in quite the way that this has. Um, I... I 
thoroughly enjoyed everything that I've watched. I am definitely going to pick up all of those seasons off Amazon. Uh, that is the cheapest place, guys. We're not being sponsored or anything, but that is the cheapest place. I've done the research here. I don't research Amazon, very often. If you want to sponsor us, drop us a line. Yeah, please do. Um, I don't research very often. That's kind of Mark's bag. Um, but yeah, the cheapest place, if you want them, is Amazon uh, On Demand. Yeah, I can't recommend this enough. It's fucking hilarious or offensive, depending on your... <laughs> I guess depending on your morals, um, it just strikes my funny bone. I fucking love this thing. I'm going to watch the rest of it. Um, sorry this episode has been short, guys, but we are having some severe internet issues tonight. So this one may sound a bit choppy, but yeah. Yeah, we'll, that we'll, do, what we can with it. we'll do better next time. Uh, yeah, must do better next time, okay. Point yeah, taken. see that on the report card. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean... If you want to get in touch with us, I mean, we we um, we do love getting feedback. We love talking to fans. We love talking to people who don't like us as well because we get a chance to talk shit. Um, but please, by all means, drop us a line. You can find us on Facebook, where the Double Down Podcast Network. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SMPD Pod. Um, you can go to our website www.ddpodcast.net. Um, previous episodes of this show, um, our sister show, Who Wins Podcast, and some other shows as well. Um, by all means, check them out. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we relish the feedback, so if you want to get in touch, please do. But until next time, do the monkey. Hey, hey. Oh. 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 Oh.